Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, we're in the Halloween month here. We're doing Halloween movies this month. And also, it turns out that a very well-known character actor who's been quite prolific in horror recently has passed away. So this is both our Halloween episode and tribute episode to none other than Sid Haig. And the film that we're, of course, going to do is the one that more or less revitalized his career in 2000, um, Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. Sid Haig, you know, growing up in the 80s and watching movies and watching TV, you saw him everywhere, especially on TV. He always seemed to play the bad guy, some random thug uh, here or there. In fact, I think that was what got him frustrated after a while. He's a pretty serious actor. He was born in 1939, uh, and uh, he died at the age of 80 this year, just this last month, due to complications from a lung infection, which is a sad way to go. But uh, I think he is most recently wrapped up on a couple productions. He has a couple things coming out posthumously. And even the last Rob Zombie movie, Three from Hell, I think still had him in that, right? Yeah, they had to really limit what he did in that because his health was failing. So I think he ends up only being in the movie for a few minutes. But yeah, he uh, reprises his character. That's the second sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses. And I remember him doing a cameo along with uh, dozens of other people in Death House, and I think in that he sat down the whole time, didn't he? So The whole time, yeah. You kind of figure that maybe he was, and that was a couple years ago or a year ago or something like that, so you kind of figure that, yeah, his health was failing, but he was still working (laughs) quite a bit. Interestingly, I was reading up about him and his history online, and apparently when he was seven years old, he was growing so quickly that his coordination wasn't able to keep up with him. So he enrolled in dancing lessons Mm -hmm. just to get more coordinated. And that's what kind of brought him onto stage and into performance, did some performances for high school, got noticed by some people. He was out in Fresno, California. Uh, And then just folks just encouraged him to get uh, into acting. He also apparently was a pretty good drummer. And even at the age of 19, uh, was a drummer for a 1958 hit by the T-Birds. Uh, full, what was the name of that song? Anyway, some tune that played a lot on the jukeboxes, and uh, he played drums for it. And apparently it made a ton of money from jukebox playing, but he never saw a penny of it. And so he decided to go into something that was guaranteed to make him more money, which would be acting. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, he, he did pretty well, um, I'd say, in the 60s, uh, 60s and 70s, mostly in the 70s. He starred in a lot of black exploitation films. Yeah. And not starred, but he usually had supporting roles, but he teamed up a lot with Pam Greer. And uh, then, like I said, when I was watching him in the late 70s and in the 80s, you would just see him pop up here and there in movies and TV and always pretty much kind of played the same guy. Yeah, He was all, never really a, a major character. He was always a heavy, and I think that's what frustrated him the most, was that he was just getting cast as the same guy with a different suit on, is basically what he said. And so he retired from acting in like 1990, I think he said 1992 or something, he decided, I'm, I'm not going to act anymore. And uh, then Quentin Tarantino wanted to tap him for Pulp Fiction, actually had him in mind for Marcellus Wallace, and he turned that down. And wished he hadn't. Uh, I think he was 55 at that time. And then Tarantino cast him again uh, in Jackie Brown. And he played a judge in there with Pam Greer 
as the star there. So the two of them kind of teamed up again for the first time in a long time. And uh, then I think it was this movie, really, uh, that gave him a second life, I guess. His character, mm-hmm. Captain Spaulding, in this movie is big with horror fans and people who know this movie. And he started, you know, obviously there have been two sequels to it. Uh, he started getting cast in other films. Oh, shoot, we've done several films, recent films with him in it. Bone Tomahawk. Death House. This one. Uh, Galaxy of Terror. It's oh, not yeah. recent, but he was in that. Yeah, I remember he was in that and he didn't... Uh... He didn't talk. <laughs> yeah, because he said the dialogue <laughs> was terrible. The dialogue was so stupid, yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, so it's it's going to be really sad not to see his face around anymore, but he has a, a slew, like over 50 movies, 250, 350, I think, television episodes to his credit. So uh, he, he, he'll be out there in celluloid history for quite some time. Oh, yeah. But as for me, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, this is the second Rob Zombie movie I've watched. If you're a follower of this podcast, you might have remembered last year at Halloween, we did 31 on October 31st. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that one. And so here yeah. we are. But nonetheless, it's kind of odd that I've gone this long without seeing a, a Rob Zombie movie. So uh, we thought House of a Thousand Corpses also, by the way, had been requested by loyal listener Mark about that time. So here we are a year later getting back around to it. So yeah, it just seemed the appropriate thing to do. Pay tribute to Haig. It is a Halloween movie. It takes place on Halloween. It's very Halloween-y, I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so here's to here's to Sid Haig. My first time watching the movie, uh, but I'm sure you've seen this before, right, Craig? Yeah, I don't remember when the first time I saw it was. I, I remember I was looking forward to seeing it just based on the trailers. It, it looked fun and gory and interesting and different. I know I didn't see it in the theater. I, I saw it on home video, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, before we decided to do it this week, I, I remembered the story, basically. But I just kind of vaguely remembered liking it. I did not, however, think that you would like it because I remembered (laughs) it being, you know, really violent and I remembered it being kind of mean spirited. Now, watching it again this time around, I actually really liked it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I I think it's I don't know. It's it's different, but it's also a cool kind of throwback to movies like um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and and some of those other movies from the 70s, like, oh gosh, I don't know if it was the 70s or 80s, but like Tourist Trap and um, Motel Hell and some of those types of movies. Even Rob Zombie doesn't really like this movie very much. That's <laughs> true. Um, but it has a cult following, and I will count myself among their numbers. I I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a lot. I don't think it's a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I think there's some really cool stuff going on. And just from a visual perspective, it's, it's really kind of cool to look at and watch. Yeah, I, I walked away kind of being surprised by how much I liked it. I didn't remember liking it as much as I ultimately ended up liking it this time. Wow. I was a fan of Rob Zombie's music uh, in high school. You know, he played for White Zombie, then went off on his own and did his own stuff and became super successful for the, for that. 
And um, watching this movie reminded me of watching one of his music videos. It even uses a lot of the same stuff. Like he loves to go into like negative and like change the yeah. colors around a little bit and like make things look like like old video and you know instead of film and and there was so much of that in this movie that at times it st- it felt a little pretentious like he's trying a little too hard but at other times too I felt like it really interrupted the tone like the flow of the movie all right well first of all you said you thought it was mean you you had remembered it as being mean spirited and now I think what you're saying watching it is again you, you don't feel that way anymore I, I don't feel like it was mean spirited at all uh, watching it we've maybe because we've seen so much since then that has been just totally mean spirited and you know I don't like those kind of movies where there's yeah. just it's just tor- torture porn you know kind of stuff this this movie isn't really that because it's got so much crap thrown in there that it's really not anything <laughs> I kind of think like like my my real problem with the movie is like it's not scary there are moments of tension but they're really few and far between and then whenever anything kind of builds, it gets broken up by this weird stuff that he does with the camera, like the stylistic stuff of, of going back to this like grainy footage just kind of zoomed in and cutting around and you're not sure what you're seeing, but it's like snippets of something gory and, you know, long desert roads with the person walking down it and close ups on tombstones and things like that. And yeah. so it just kind of always reminds you you're watching a movie <laughs> and yeah. you know what I mean? And Or music video. I mean, really it's, it's like it pops out to a music video every, every 15 minutes. And so there was, that was one of the problems I kind of had with the movie is I just couldn't get into the horror. Like I, I couldn't, it wasn't, I didn't find it full of tension or scares. In that way, it reminded me a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which this is almost like okay. a remake of that movie, almost. I mean, it's almost the same kind of thing. Similar. I mean, there's so many throwbacks to it, right? It's all about this wacky family that lives out in the desert. People get roped in, and then they get roped up <laughs> and yeah. tortured around for a while and they have to kind of run away. In the meantime, this family is just wackier and wackier and the scenery and atmospheres like would require way too much effort for this group of hillbilly slackers out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so many candles to light, you know, so many yeah. things to put together, traps and and stuff. Uh, it does. It definitely has a music video aesthetic. Critics didn't like it, um, and and they didn't like all of those intercut scenes. You know, I I read all of that going into it and reading all of it. I was like, yeah, that's pretty stupid. And then I was watching it, and it just it just didn't bother me. I. It, I mean, it just felt like that was the aesthetic it was going for, and I was okay with it. I think that what I liked about it, you're right. It reminds me a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre as far as plot is concerned. But it does kind of stylistically have more in common with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too, because there's kind of this dark comedy underlying it mm-hmm. and of course you know bill mosley text bill mosley exactly playing somewhat similar characters in both I-, I think that what i ended up liking about it was the performances of the characters and they are they are so over the top like ridiculously over the top but it just worked for me like i mean if you're gonna do crazy backwoods isn't the right word but i can't come up with a better one crazy backwoods family i mean this these actors i'm sure you know 
under the direction of zombie really amp up the campiness uh, of the characters. And it just worked for me. The premise is basically you've got this group of kids. Of course you do. You know, who else is it going to be? These two young couples who are touring the country visiting like roadside attractions uh, and oddities. They pull over at a gas station out of necessity, but it just happens to be Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Mad Men, which is run by Sid Haig's character, Captain Spaulding, who is in clown makeup, <laughs> but who is just this crass, crazy... I don't even know how to describe him. Like, I find him intimidating and scary and tons of swearing and crass sexual innuendo. And It ain't worth nothing. My name's all over it. I was fixing the, the trade to Jackie Cobb. That retard hangs out of Molly's fruit stand? Mm, yeah. You know, for the life of me, I cannot understand why you hang out with that asshole. He's one horny retard. Well, they tell all. All they want to do is eat and fuck. Well, like, if you know him, you might understand his urges. Uh, worse than a rabid-ass baboon. Sid Haig, I think that part of his success just comes from the fact that he has this really interesting look. You know, he, he kind of looks like a thug, but at the same time, like, he's got these great big eyes that he can totally do the crazy eyes with. Um <laughs> But not even just crazy eyes. Like, you know, he he opens his eyes so wide that his gaze is just kind of nightmarish. Like, yeah. I would not want to bump into this guy anywhere. True. Especially in clown makeup. Yeah, especially in clown makeup. And it's, you know, it's Halloween. It's October 30th. It's the 70s. Uh, and the first thing we see is that there's an attempted robbery at the store, but Sid Haig, and there's there's funny dialogue with him and this other character called Stucky, who's played by Michael J. Pollard, who I recognize, but I had to look up. I remembered him from Scrooge. He plays an endearing homeless character in Scrooge, but oh. totally different here. You miserable motherfucker. I ought to jump over this counter and bash your fucking balls in. All right, Pippi. Hand over the cash box, and I might leave your brains inside your skull. Well, I'll tell you what, Ski King. Why don't you just take your mama home some chicken, and then I won't have to stuff my boot all up in your ass. <laughs> you know, it's 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 so R-rated. You, you know, there there's no <laughs> getting around it. In fact, you know, the movie was in development hell for like three years. It was filmed in 2000, but it wasn't released until 2003 because Universal laid down the money for it. But when it was done, they were so afraid that it was going to get an NC-17 rating that they just dropped it. Then Zombie almost sold it to another studio, but it got shelved again. And all of his friends told him, you know what, just forget it. Just let it go. Just scrap it. But he wasn't willing to. And um, eventually Lionsgate released it. I think that it ended up being cut pretty heavily. There was supposedly all this lost footage that was going to get released, but it, it never has been. And who knows if it ever will be. But just F-bombs all over the place. I'm going to count to ten, and you're going to hand over all the cash, or I'm going to splatter your grease paint mug across the state line. One. Fuck your mama. Two. Fuck your sister. What are we going to do? Hey, I know you. You work at the hardware store, right? Richard Wick, right? Shut your trap. Quiet down, both of you. 
three. Fuck your grandma. <laughs> and then somebody, you know, like Sid Haig's friend who works with them busts in and just blows away one of the guys. And Sid Haig pulls out this huge revolver and shoots the other guy in the head and says, but most of all, fuck you. <laughs> um, and that's just the tone of the movie throughout. Then these four kids, the, the four kid kids, I don't know, they're just in their 20s, I guess, show up. Bill is played by Rain Wilson, which yeah. I totally forgot. Rain Wilson of The Office fame, but has done bazillions of other things too. And Jerry is played by Chris Hardwick, which yeah. I don't I don't know him all that well, except for I know that he does The Talking Dead, which is like the recap yeah, episode of for the walking dead and then there's mary played by jennifer Justin and denise played by aaron daniels and they're two couples and they show up at this place and they're just absolutely fascinated with it and there's this murder ride which i thought was so funny it's just like a cart on wheels that this big guy pushes like down a hallway <laughs> <laughs> it's cool it's so low rent but it's the kind of thing i would love to go and do <laughs> totally yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. this place is is awesome. You know, it, it really is just one of those kooky roadside attractions that really do exist in America. Yeah, it's true. You know, I, I think it's kind of a, a dying phenomenon, but they're still out there. You know, it's got, you know, all these setups with mannequins and things talking about uh, like Ed Gein and different serial killers and Captain Spaulding like narrates the ride or whatever. But uh, I think the last display is of a local legend of this guy called Dr. Satan. And, uh, and pause for a moment while you hear my eyes roll at that. <laughs> oh, I think it's hilarious. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And so, you know, the guys who seem to be the ones who are really into this like, just think this is the coolest thing ever. And supposedly Dr. Satan, you know, did all these like crazy experiments on people and stuff and was totally sadistic. Vigilante justice prevailed. They took his ass out and hung him. <laughs> and that infamous hanging tree is no more than a stone's throw away from where y'all's ass is now seated. The next day, his body was found to be missing. Until today, no trace of Dr. Satan has ever been discovered. And so the guys are like, oh, we totally have to see this. So he uh, draws them a map to find the tree. And they head there, and that's when they run into trouble. Sherry Moon Zombie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely gorgeous Sherry Moon Zombie out by the side of the road. She's stunningly beautiful. You know, I've never seen her in anything except in a Rob Zombie movie. And I think she's in all of his movies. Mm. And she is just beautiful, like sexy. I do not think she's a good actress. No, no. Uh, her. But, but her. of all the things that I've seen her in, I think that this is her best role. For whatever reason, I don't know. Maybe it's the most like her. I, I, I don't know. But I think that she's good in this part. Well, maybe because all she kind of had to do was smile and wink and kind of act charming. You know, it wasn't like a very deep character. It was very cartoonish i remember seeing her in 31 and just oh my god you're right the acting was was horrible but yeah you're right she she played it off in this 
she plays Michael Myers' mom in uh, Rob Zombie's two uh, oh, Halloween films. And so it's supposed to be, you know, she's supposed to be playing this serious, sympathetic character, and she just cannot pull it off. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want Rob Zombie or Sherry Moon coming for me because that would scare me. <laughs> but, but in this movie, uh, I think she does a good job. And it is cartoonish. She, she talks in this, you know, you know, yeah. super high voice, and she's very giggly and playful, and it just works. And so they, they pick her up. It's raining out. Um, she's hitchhiking. They pick her up, and she just wants a ride home. She's like, I just live a couple miles down the road and they say well do you know about this tree and she's like oh yeah i can totally show you that at tripar house and we see it's not like it's a mystery we see somebody shoot out their tire she and bill rain wilson go up to the house because she says my brother has a tow truck he'll he'll take care of you and so they they go up to the house and the house is nutty but i guess one could say well it's just decorated up for halloween and these people are serious about halloween but like <laughs> it's crazy with lights and all kinds of creepy stuff all over but the it's, place it's so texas chainsaw massacre i mean in one end it's lights yeah. and things yeah, it's done crazy. up in places which is a lot like the second one where they have that that underground lair you remember with yep. all the tunnels uh-huh. and all that random crap everywhere um but then uh, other parts of it are like constructed things made of bones and piles of shoes on the floor and also shoes that are hanging from strings for no apparent reason that's that's sort of like the first one. It's just a mismatch of stuff that came before, to be completely honest. I mean, and that's that's kind of how I feel about this movie in, in a way of watching it. I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. It's fun. And as a Halloween movie, it's quite nice because it is. it does seem to be just nothing but throwbacks, like pieced together of throwbacks to other movies, boldly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's even a scene with them sitting down having dinner with the family. Once once everybody yeah. else gets there, once the guy goes and tows their car there and everybody's there, what do you know? There's a long table and a bunch of candles on it, and pretty soon here comes Grandpa. Here comes mm-hmm. the weird guy named Tiny who doesn't talk but is kind of tall and disfigured and sits down. And then the mom, Karen, played by Karen Black, who was great in this, actually, quite good in this role. Um, oh, I think she's fantastic. And and she, we saw her in Burnt Offerings. Invaders from Mars. She was the mom, right? Yes, that's right. I really like her. And she just gets to ham it up in this movie. And she does so well. And, like, she's wearing, like, lingerie is not really the right word, but, like, uh, satiny shorts and tops and things. And... I, I thought that she and Sherry Moon did a really believable job of being mother and daughter. Yes. Like they're so similar mm-hmm. um, in in their characters. And I think she's great. Um, sadly, there was a salary dispute for the sequel and she bowed out and they recast her. They recast her with an actress who looks just exactly like her. In fact, the first time I saw the second movie, I thought it was still her. I oh, didn't wow. even realize that she had been recast. Well, she has such a distinct look, too. That's that's pretty incredible. Yeah, they, they recast her with this 
beautiful woman. She was in um, the early Police Academy movies. Do you remember? Do you remember those movies? Oh God, yes. <laughs> do you remember like the the sexy blonde with the big boobs? Oh, and I should wore but... her hair up. I can't. Anyway, that's who they recast her with. Oh, interesting. But this is when I'm really into it because I just think this cast of characters is so interesting. You know, you you mentioned Mother Firefly, Karen Black, and then there's Tiny, who is played by this actor who is legit seven foot six inches tall. And I read about him, and like when he was born, he weighed 15 pounds and was two feet long. When he graduated kindergarten, he was over five feet tall. He had a condition that, you know, caused this crazy growth, um, but he did a lot of really cool stuff and and was kind of revered as, as an actor in his own right. He was working on a biopic of Andre the Giant when he passed away. And he, you know, he's just this hulking menace. He doesn't really talk. He wears a mask because he had been burned. He's like the most <laughs> charming guy in this movie. I mean, in this movie, actually, I, I just loved it when he was there. It's that character who's just silent and doesn't, he's just creepy. And nobody uh-huh. has enough information about him. He's just there. <laughs> right and he pops mm-hmm. into a couple scenes one scene later he pops in on a girl who's been tied up and he's like eating cornflakes out of a dog bowl offers her uh-huh, some with his name on it. yeah. it's so crazy and then like i mean i'm jumping ahead but like uh, she's tied up and she's one of the girls you know this is what happens eventually and uh she asks she's like oh please let me go please let me go and he just leans over and unties one of her whatever things and goes back to eating his cornflakes and i was like that's interesting and of course she runs yeah. up the stairs and immediately gets cornered again by bill mosley who comes brings her back down and throws her into a cage and then looks over at him and he looks at him and he just sort of shrugs his shoulders <laughs> Like, what are you going to (laughs) do? Right, right. That's him. I mean, he doesn't have to talk to have a a cool character. And you've got Bill Mosley, who I think is a great actor, actually. Yeah, he is. I feel like he is playing Rob Zombie, um, or at least the character that Rob Zombie portrays uh, Mm. as his persona or whatever. And he's super scary. He's got this long kind of bleached blonde thin hair and he's ultra violent like he we have heard on the news that there was this group of cheerleaders missing. Well, he's got them tied up in his bedroom upstairs. Some of them are dead and he's tormenting the other ones and baby torments them at some point. And he's kind of ranting on almost incoherent stuff like he's totally unhinged how could i being born of such uh, conventional stock arrive a leader of the rebellion an escapist from a conformist world destined to find happiness only in that which cannot be explained i brought you here for a reason but unfortunately you and your sentimental minds are doing me no good my brain is frozen Locked. I have to break free from this culture of mechanical reproductions and the thick incrustations dying on the surface. And I think I read that um, Rob Zombie took some of that dialogue from tapes of the Manson family. 
that's what it was inspired by in those cut scenes mm. both otis and baby have these rants on these cut scenes which which zombie filmed in his basement in post-production and they are crazy in one of them babies like rolling around naked with a skeleton like masturbating with the bones and otis is probably the most sinister um, of all of them, even though eventually, you know, they're all murderous, you know, the whole family. Yeah. And then there's another there's another guy who is the tow truck driver. I feel like his name is RJ. Yeah. Oh, who's Rufus. that dude? He's a big, beefy, burly guy who barely says a word. Right? Does he say anything? No, he's just kind of a heavy. He just uh, is around uh, all the time. But uh, he's super strong. At one point near the end, he picks up one of the guys and like lifts him up over his head and throws him into a coffin. So he's just, you know, the muscle. And then there's Grandpa uh, Dennis Fimple. This was his last film. I guess that as they were filming, the story went through a number of changes even in plot like i think that originally the legend of dr satan was just a story that was concocted to lead people out to the firefly house um and it turned out that grandpa was actually dr satan of course all of that changed it turns out um that dr satan is actually a real person and it's um mother firefly's ex-husband who was the one that set their house on fire and burned tiny and (laughs) but the biggest part of the movie is just kind of them being initially they're not really trapped like yeah initially the 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 family is bizarre but they're really just kind of hosting them. It's it's not until Baby gets all dolled up and does this cutesy 1930s type lip sync. I want to be loved by you. Like a Betty yeah. Boop thing, yeah. <laughs> right. In doing so, and she's been kind of flirty with Bill for a while. Um, but in this, she r- frankly pretty innocently sits on Bill's lap. But Bill's girlfriend, Mary immediately is like, get off him. You whore. Like, <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> and, and she pushes baby down and baby's like, you're going to regret that. And from that point on, things get pretty scary. Yeah. They're led to believe that they're going to be let go. The car is ready and they uh, get in the car and they start going, but they're attacked by Otis and uh, RJ and they're brought back to the house. And yeah, from that point on, it's just ultra violent. And then there's a um, kind of a subplotish type thing where they keep going back to one of the girl's fathers who is calling the local cops because he hasn't, sh- she hasn't shown up. And uh, he ends up driving out there, flying out there, whatever. And so there are a few cops there as well, sheriff and his deputies, who come up to the gas station and talk with... This is maybe the second time we see Captain Spaulding. Captain Spaulding actually doesn't have a huge role in this movie. I mean, his character's pretty large. And he gets top billing, I think. Yeah, I guess you're right. He does, doesn't he? Well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, in a movie full of recognizable actors, which is an accomplishment 
in and of itself. You know, it's interesting that he gets the top billing. But anyway, yeah, you know, they, they come back out and they talk with him. It's interesting at that point because you kind of wonder where he fits into all of this, right? Is he even connected to this family? Or is he just this eccentric, crazy, wacky, kind of dangerous guy, too, who just happens to run this gas station and, and do this thing? It seems like the latter. Yeah. To me, it did, at least. It, it did. seemed like he was just—he was not connected to them in any way. He was just a whack job, too. Yeah. And, and he leads him because he kind of basically leads the cops out to the that house. They ask him, yeah. where, where did you... You know, where where were they going? Where did you send them? And he said, well, they were interested in this legend, so I drew them a map, and, and here's a map for you, and you guys can go and check it out. And so they do. I think that from here, it's it's kind of just a montage of random things. It's just the family being crazy, and each of these characters suddenly tied up or something. You don't really see how they get there. You don't really see them much of them running away or getting grabbed or whatever. It's just suddenly, oh, this girl's tied up to a bed and there's a scene with her. And, oh, now this guy's tied to a chair and uh, Baby is you know, cutting his hair off and eventually scalps him and whatnot. And then you don't <laughs> see him again until he's a body later. And Rain Wilson's character gets the most interesting treatment. He's made into like a half fish, half man kind of uh, roadside attraction thing. Kind yeah, of like fish they, boy. Fish boy, kind of like they had seen the alligator boy when they were out at... Um, right. And that's when I thought, oh, well, maybe there is some kind of connection. You know, maybe they're making these roadside attractions for him. And again, it's not really explained, like, why they were do, why that was done to him, why any of these things are done to any of them. And it's just a completely... I'm sorry, but it's just like a completely random scenes of just random craziness that this family gets engaged in and it's just like they're playing with these people also you don't even you barely see these four or five kids i mean except when they're initially there and then when they're kind of like tied up and screaming like you don't really get to know them you don't really care much about them true there's really nothing there it's really most of the movie focuses on this wacky crazy family and their characters much more interested in that than in the plight of these kids, which is another reason why there was just this huge disconnect for me. It was hard for me to get scared because there weren't really any scenes of suspense, to be honest. There were a couple. That was about it. It just seemed to me like, a, a again, like I said, perfect Halloween movie. It's like going through a haunted house, right? Yeah. They're, they never make yeah. sense. It's just one one scary scene after another that's just piled on top of each other, and then a guy with a chainsaw chases you through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think for me that that, I don't know. I mean, it's not like I was huddled under a blanket scared or anything, but that randomness, that unpredictability, if I'm willing to kind of try to put myself in these young people's shoes, like, first of all, what the fuck is happening? And secondly, why is this happening to me? <laughs> like, it's so random. Like, when Mary wakes up, she wakes up and she's all tied up. And Otis comes in and is talking to her. And she's just saying, where's Bill, please? Where is he? Is he okay? And then he just unveils him. And it's so, you know, I, I I couldn't even tell if it was totally just a sculpture or if Rain Wilson was actually in there somewhere. Like it, it looked a little bit plasticky, but it's nightmarish. I mean, he's been turned into this macabre art installation 
And here you've got this crazy guy just laughing, and I I don't know. I, I thought it was uh, pretty spooky, but you're right. A lot of it just kind of relies on, ah, they're crazy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And it's uh, you're you're right. Then there's that side story where um, the eventually you know the dad gets there and the cops and they head out towards that tree, but they find the kid's car and it's all bashed up or whatever. And they find one of the cheerleaders dead and carved up in the trunk. So they know something's going on. This part is just stupid too, because then these two cops with a civilian, Mary's dad in tow, just decide that they're going to go over there and check it out. Like wouldn't, the dead body in the trunk maybe make you think that you might want to call in some backup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's always the way, and, though. Right. <laughs> well, they, they go out there, and it's almost cute. Like, it's almost charming in a way. Like, Mother Fly- Firefly just runs upstairs to Otis. She's like, there's police outside. <laughs> <laughs> and Otis is like, God damn it. All right. Well, you go down and play nice. I'm going to run around the back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's just so it's silly, but it was funny to me. And so Mother Fireflies being all like flirtatious with this one cop meanwhile the other douchebag cop and the dad are looking around in the back and ultimately what happens is the guys in the back find the dead cheerleaders right like a bunch of them like all strung up and so they get the other the cop gets on his walkie talkie and is like oh my gosh there's a bunch of bodies and so Mother Firefly, of course, hears this and just pulls out her huge revolver and blows the other cop away. Then Otis shows up and, and kills Mary's dad. And then there was, gosh, I thought this scene was so weird. He yeah. pulled the gun on the cop, and I think the cop falls to his knees, right? Yeah. Like he's begging, and they have this whole scene of dialogue that is completely silent. Yeah. We hear nothing. There's nothing. There's no score in the background. It's like you put the TV on mute. And then it pulls back to this long shot with Otis just holding the gun on this cop. And it holds there for at least a good 30 seconds. It feels so long. It just stylistically felt so different than the yeah. rest of the movie. I... I didn't know what to make of it. It was weird. It was. It was maybe also the most suspenseful thing, too, because you're staring at it and you're like, what's going on? What's going to happen? You're wondering if he's going to shoot him. Uh huh. And you're just staring and waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it to happen. And I'm going, what is going on here? Like, I, I went to check. Did, like, did, my, did things lock up or something yeah, on, my, right? on my computer or whatnot? But yeah, no, it's just an interesting choice, you know, in a movie that's otherwise really spastic, you know, and uh, quick cuts and, and intercuts here and there. There's this really long scene at this tension-filled moment. I don't know. But uh, but then again, I never thought for a second, like, that was going to end well for the cops, so. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know. I don't know. It seemed kind of out of place to me, but at the same time, I was intrigued by it. Like, yeah. This is so weird. <laughs> well, it's, it's like a lot of the movies, as kind of what I was saying. I mean, it's intriguing. It's 
like I said, it's kind of all over the place and stylistically he's got a certain thing he's doing. But it is just more strange than effective. I don't know. I mean, it has an effect. I mean, obviously this scene, we were glued to the screen. And in those, mm-hmm. you know, kind of weird intercuts with like everything's in negative and different weird purple colors and it looks like a music video and, and all that. I mean, they, they had an effect, you know, but it just didn't seem to fit the movie. It just, it felt like we we're cutting away to something else and then coming back to the story. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, that, that's how I, I felt. I know it. what you mean. I'm just going to have to kind of respectfully disagree because I thought that it was in keeping with the style. Um, well, when you do it enough times, it becomes a style, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, and I get what you're saying. It is very much like a music video. I, if that's not your vibe, then I get it. Was 31 that way too? His and his sequels to this is that just kind of what he does, or is it unique okay, to this well, movie? I don't know. I thought I, I think that it's fairly unique to this. I don't remember any like cutaway shots or anything like that in 31 neither one of us enjoyed that movie very much the first sequel to this movie is called the devil's rejects and critically and from a fan perspective the devil's rejects is pretty much considered zombies like magnum opus like People go on and on and on about how great that movie is. I have a friend, hi Alexis, uh, <laughs> who like that's her favorite movie of all time. I've seen it. I've probably seen it a couple of times. It's so ultra violent, and it's tons of gun violence, and it it was almost stomach churning for me it was almost too much for me and and there's sexual violence which always bothers me but that's really you know people kind of lose their shit over that movie three from hell just came out and it is getting terrible 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 reviews oh really um and and yeah in fact people are saying the only thing that he succeeded at was tarnishing the the uh what did I say the second one was called? The Devil's, re- the Devil's Rejects. Devil's Rejects. Yeah. That's, oh, what I've, that's what I've read. The only thing that it does is tarnish the legacy of that movie. Well, of course, I haven't seen it, so I can't say, but uh, it's it's getting awful reviews. Well, that's kind of what I expected from this movie. You know, I expected this movie to be this, like, gore fest, this ultra-violent thing, and I mean, I guess it is, but it didn't feel like it when I was watching it. I don't know. I, maybe maybe because a lot of what was gory and bloody was cut around or was a lot of quick cuts and flat. I mean, there's shocking things in here, but I feel like I've just seen, and maybe since this movie came out, you know, it's just people have upped the ante a bit, but I just feel like I've seen much, much worse uh, than this movie. It didn't feel yeah. mean-spirited. It didn't feel ultra-violent. I don't know, you know? I think that maybe part of that comes from the fact that overall it feels somewhat cartoonish. So maybe that Mm, kind of detracts from the realism of the violence. It's like cartoon violence. It's like Scooby-Doo. You know, it doesn't have that same kind of visceral impact as it might have if it felt grounded in reality, because it doesn't feel grounded in reality at all. Right. Well, and <laughs> any movie when, you know, they go to just rant, there's a random scene where they're buying beer for no real reason, except to show that there's oh a, a shop called red hot pussy liquors. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> oh, dude. Oh, God. I would go to that store. <laughs> yeah, and that is the only reason. Just that gag is the only reason for that scene existing yeah. at all. They just go buy a bunch of, uh, of booze so that you can see that sign. Oh, it cracked me up. Well, and then they go home and they, and she's, they buy a ton of booze, and the guy's like, Well, you sure are buying a whole mess of holy water for two people. Yeah, we like to get fucked up and do fucked up <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like to get fucked up too and do some fucked up shit. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> and they certainly do because that's yeah. what they do. They go home and they get, they all of them get wasted. And I thought that Mother Firefly and Baby Drunk was, and you only see it for, I don't know, five, ten seconds, but I just thought it was hilarious. And that leads into the climax where it's Halloween night. They dress up the remaining victims, the two girls and the one remaining guy. They dress them up in these rabbit suits, which I just thought was kind of clever because then they kind of hunt them um, mm, later. I guess so. I mean, it's silly, but I, I, I don't know. I found it amusing. And they lead them you know, across this field in the middle of the night in just the moonlight. And I just thought you know, it, it looked great. It looked like Halloween. It, and they lead them, I guess, I don't know where this is, somewhere on their property. And Mary takes off running and Baby chases her. And then there's kind of this surreal moment where it sounds like Baby is all around her or could be anywhere. But eventually Baby just uh, attacks and stabs her to death and kills her and like licks the knife and stuff. The other two get thrown into this coffin and lowered into the ground. And this is where things just totally go off the rails. Yes. Like, <laughs> like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. At this point I was like, what in the hell is going on? They lower them into this pit, I guess, and under the ground and there's water there and they don't lower them straight into the water. They're just suspended there. And then suddenly from the water up pop these figures. Are they like zombies? Are they? I don't know. They're just bottom dwelling. It, it, it's like it's like the people under the stairs kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But then they also kind of look like zombies. And then they start tearing it apart and they get the guy and the girl manages to escape. And she runs down this corridor into this cave and she stops and, and like sees who she thinks is the other guy because there's a bunny suit but then he comes out of the shadows and it's just this old man who's also dressed in a bunny suit who says nothing and then another one of these freaky things comes up behind her and they tear off her bunny suit and then they just walk away <laughs> and then she starts running down this corridor and it turns into this long corridor like out of indiana jones or something where it's just uh as far as the eye can see on both sides of it, just mummified skeletal remains. I don't know, man. It's just so weird. And so then she runs down it and whatever. And then she, she opens up a door at the end and comes into this like bone cathedral. <laughs> I mean, we're still underground. <laughs> and 
they're like creatures there that like shut the door and then there's another door that opens and she goes in and here she is in the middle of dr satan's sanctum yeah it's like it's first like the first thing she sees it's kind of like this nightmarish waiting room like yeah, yeah that's right these weird <laughs> these weird zombie type people like sitting around in what looks like a waiting room and then she looks over to the side and she sees dr satan op like doing brain operation on the guy whatever his name is jerry yeah and he looks inhuman and he's strapped up to this it's yes. like it's like we're on the set of a nine inch nails video you know and he's yeah. like operating on her and then from the top bursts out um a cenobite basically who starts running after her and he's got these goggles on and his big beefy thing it looks pieced together and like there's you know like a gas mask on his face and he has this giant axe and he starts chasing her back down the corridor and i mean <laughs> he's swinging his axe and missing her and hitting the supports until he finally gets buried and i read that he couldn't see in the costume so he was just like wildly swinging around this real axe like <sighs> and and rub zombie was like well we just kind of figured she'd move <laughs> <laughs> a real okay. axe that is insane insane i hate reading about stuff like that because it just strikes me as so, so irresponsible. irresponsible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and then, and then it, you know, kind of the ending is almost Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like she just claws her way to the surface. Yeah. The guy wielding the axe, like takes out one of the supports and everything comes crashing down and lands on him, but it opens up the upper part and she crawls out, you know, almost like the descent style. And then it's the end scene from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, every other movie, you know, he did the same thing in 31 with Sherry Moon, where it's the heroine all beat up and, you know, limping down the road and then here Sun's comes rising. the car. Yeah. Right. In this case, it's um, Captain Spaulding in this little convertible. Sweet baby Jesus, girl, what the hell happened to you? I got away. You? Yeah, I recognize you. Oh, there's a whole bunch of people been looking for your ass, girl. I gotta get to a doctor. All right, all right. Just sit back and relax. I'll get you to a doctor. Har, har, uh, wink, wink. <laughs> har, har, yeah. And then as she lays back and closes her eyes, Otis pops up from the back. And that's it. But before the credits roll, it just says, the end, question mark? <laughs> <laughs> and no, it's not, because there were two sequels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, if it, it and you know if it wasn't for that last that last twenty minutes, man, it just it just takes a strange left turn and just keeps turning left. It's wacky. It's so crazy. Yeah, it's it it starts to be about this weird family, and then that they do they do all these weird things for fun, and then there's this whole underground subterranean labyrinth of bodies and strange creatures populated and, by apparently at least dozens of people like <laughs> what out in the middle of the <laughs> desert <laughs> just under the surface by the way i mean so yeah. under the surface that as you're running down this corridor light is streaming through the boards or whatever that are holding up the corridor that you're, <laughs> that you're running through i don't know man i mean the movie's just all over the place i i think i have to side with the critics who said that this movie was all over the place. I mean, what more can I say? I, I, it, it was interesting to watch. There was never a dull moment, 
but also there was never really a scary moment for me and there was never really a moment where I felt like the movie was inching toward any kind of theme or anything I could latch on to, <laughs> you know, and no emotion I could latch on to, no idea I could latch on to. And it's just not that, not, not that kind of movie. Right. So, yeah, uh, I just kind well, of like, Oh, I was, I was done. I was like, well, that was a ride. That was a trip. Yeah. Well, Rob Zombie said from the beginning that he wanted to make a drive-in movie. Uh, and I think that that's kind of what this is. You know, it, it doesn't have to be of super high quality. It doesn't have to make a lot of sense. It's just, you know, give me something interesting to look at for an hour and a half or whatever. Yeah, well, we make out in the back seat. Uh, right, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not you and me, but, you know, just like, you know, people. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was looking for the joke. I'm like, I know it's there. Where is it? Come on, come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> but uh yeah he, i mean zombie says now that he acknowledges and appreciates that it has a cult following but when he sees it all he sees is flaw upon flaw upon flaw so he's not particularly proud of it however um it really did kind of uh jumpstart his career as a as a film director right. now he had already been directing his own music videos and music videos for other people for a while and had been acclaimed for that but as a film director this really gave him his start and he's since had a lot of success two very mixed reviews nonetheless it really opened a lot of doors for him i think sid haig is is great in this movie, I think that his character is really fun and he, as this character, has become really iconic in horror cinema. You know, you you see imagery of Captain Spaulding in merchandising and, you know, just all over the place. And uh, I'm glad, you know, Zombie kind of approached him and, and pulled him out of retirement for this. And once um, he was working again, he continued to work, especially in the horror industry. And, you know, even the movies that he's in that we haven't particularly enjoyed. You know, we've, we've seen some movies that he was in, like Bone Tomahawk, that we've really liked. Galaxy of Terror, not a great movie, but he was interesting in it. Even 31, which neither of us particularly cared for. He had such a small cameo, but he's always interesting and memorable. And uh, he was 80 years old when he passed, which these days doesn't really seem that old. But he left a legacy. I have a lot of respect for the guy. He's a cool guy. Me too. I think it was a, a very fitting uh, movie for us to watch, a good Good tribute episode. So rest in peace, Sid Haig. And thank you, Mark, also for requesting this movie. Well, that's it. Uh, we still have a couple more Halloween episodes to do. Um, so happy Halloween, everybody. It's coming up. If you have any requests that you would like us to talk about, just go find us online. You can search Two Guys in a Chainsaw and find our website, twoguys.red40net.com or our Facebook page. Just leave us a comment on either of those places and uh, we'll put you down. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With Two Guys in a Chainsaw. Chainsaw.